0: Hey everyone, welcome to the NAS Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings.
1: I want to start with posing a question to you. Have you ever had to decipher the truth? Have you ever had to have a moment where you had to decipher what was true, what was honest, what was real? The other day, my Five year old son came to me and said, Dad, I want some chippies. So we call him in our house. That'll age well someday. And he's going to a date and he says, Can we have some chippies and queso? Can't wait for that discussion later on. He said, Dad, I want some chippies. So I had to look at the evidence. I noticed his fingers were a little orange said, you've already had Doritos. I can see the residue on your fingers. He said, no, I didn't. I said, oh, really? Whose fingers were your mouth feeding? He said, his brothers. In that moment, I had to decipher the truth because knowing his brother, that very easily could have been the case. You know, we have this enjoyment, I think, of trying to decide and figure out what is real, what is true. That's the reason they invented Court TV for 24 hours, seven days a week. And oh, how gripping it is when every episode of Judge Judy starts. The same phrase do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And then for the next 30 minutes, we get to watch Judge Judy. She's a pleasant lady, isn't she? Hear the story of whose dog attacked who, one side or the other. And it's gripping television. The fact that you're all laughing, you know that it's true. You hear the plaintiff and the defendant go back and forth. And as they made their way, always seems to happen in the last five minutes as one side shared their story and then another side shared their story. They're at the very end, out of nowhere. Well, I brought a witness with me today. And the winning side always seems to have a cousin that was there, a cousin that was watching. And here's what I saw. And Judge Judy and all of her great discernment, wrapping this up for the half hour special, listens to this testimony of this witness, and of course, despite listening for 20 minutes, the back and forth, it's this one extra witness that they have the true story. And she cuts them off in the middle of their discussion and lays down the ruling that we've all been waiting for. She has determined what is true for ourselves. If you've joined us for the last few months, you've noticed we've gone through all of Matthew And now touched even into John, the gospel stories of Jesus, his life, his miracles, his teachings, the moments where he was revealing himself on the earth, showing these miraculous signs as proof and evidence of who he is and who had sent him and the purpose he had come. And so today we're going to look at the summation of just two verses together as the author writer of the book of John puts down in two verses his statement of truth to prove as evidence of who he is and what he's seen and why we should testify that it is true the sermon title today is testimony to truth we're in the middle of our series Jesus in the waiting if you have your bibles turn them on and flip to Matthew chapter 21 Verses 24 and 25, it'll come up on the screen. We're gonna read these two verses together today. It says this. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. You know, just like we left off last week, Pastor David shared the dangers of hearing people's stories and playing the comparison game. And here we are listening to this author say, here are all these stories, things that I've experienced. Not to compare, but to know that the same God that did them is the same God that can do these things for you. If you place your faith And we're just to believe. But I find it interesting in this point, the author doesn't give his name. Here he is kind of signing off at the end of his book, but he doesn't list himself by name. In fact, rather, we get a unique perspective, almost like a change of authorship or something happens where it goes from a me to a we. And so if we look back and provide ourselves some context here to start, I think we can identify who this author is. Through the same pattern of seven, we see the author describing himself seven different ways. I wanna just highlight those quickly to you to point to who the author of this testimony is. The first way he says it in the same chapter, verse 20, he says the disciple whom Jesus loved. The second way he says the authorship is the one that followed Peter and Jesus. Again, in verse 20, he points to himself by saying, the one who reclined at the table close to Jesus. In this moment, we're getting that picture of the Last Supper scene, right? In number four, the fourth way he describes himself, he says, the one who asked, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? then in verse 21, it goes on with Peter inquiring the one who asked, what about this man? As Pastor David preached on last week, The sixth way he points to himself, the author says the one that everyone said would not die in verse 23. And then in verse 22, again, it says the one who Jesus said, if it is my will, he will remain until I come. What is that to you? As we look at all of these descriptions and ways we see that the author's disciple being described here is the same person that is John. And the book is named after him. And if Jesus says here, if it's his will that he should remain, I would love to see the revelation of a man who's a couple thousand years old appearing someday. And here it is, though, that we identify that the author is John himself. That's a great name, isn't it? For those of you who haven't met, my name is Pastor John Keating. It's a privilege to speak to you today. Here is John identifying himself, but I find it unique as he does so. We get this next part of the verse, the first verse we're looking at. It says, we know his testimony is true. In some weird shift or change or almost like a third-person reference or split personalities, like out of nowhere, it says, we know his testimony is true. Easily something we could glance over, but in some study I research together the significance of the we in the testimony, the significance of the we. Some scholars would say that the we is there as a humble editorial we, not wanting to state his name or take the focus off of Christ, so he says we. Others point back to Jesus' teachings, that here is John writing this book some 90 years after experienced Christ. And here he is recalling the stories in these moments. And it's in line with Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 26, where he says that the role of the Holy Spirit will be to recall and bring to mind everything I have taught you. And so John is not taking credit of his own. He's saying, through the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm recalling and reclaiming and testifying these stories to be real. Other scholars even point to the fact that there's this verifying community that John lived amongst a group of people who were his own disciples, his own followers. In the town of Ephesus, they gathered and John would share as a testament to Jesus what had happened, all of these things that were taking place that he recalled about who Jesus was and what he did. And all of those people in Ephesus were saying, John, you gotta write it down. John, you got to put this out there. you got to share this with people. This is good news. It's not just for you to hold on to. John, you got to put this on paper. Write it down so it can withstand the test of time. We've seen the impact, John, that Jesus has had on your life. You've got to tell others. But what, in the same way, they say, we, we experience these things with you. We witness these things of Jesus. We attest and affirm that these things are real because we've seen the impact it's had on our life as well. Share your testimony. And so here at the bottom of this document, by saying we can attest that these things are true, it's like they're all signing their names at the bottom. They're all affirming the testimony in the book of John. It reminded me of another famous signature by a guy named John at the bottom with a list of names, affirming this for themselves. There was a scholar in that time named Clement of Alexandria and describing John's desire and motivation to write this book to us that we read today. He says this, John, conscious that the outward facts had been set forth in the Gospels, was urged by his disciples and divinely moved by the Spirit to compose a spiritual gospel. See, it's not just John's words and experience that is described in this book, but it's the believers, a group of people, affirmed by others around him saying you're not alone this is truth we'll put our name on it we agree we are in unison behind the message of Jesus Christ as being the only hope for the future as being the provider of our salvation and our connection to heaven they're authenticating it for themselves in a different way You know, in today's world, we kind of look at this as like the two-factor authentication we all have to go through. It's the only way we are ever able to remember our mother's maiden name or the name of the street that we grew up on. As we all are baffled by whatever password we think we put in and hope that it's saved to that website, and having to prove to a computer through a computer that we're a real person, we type it in and we put it out there, and then it sends us an email that we have to have another password to get into to then verify for this one. Or then we go through the fact that it sends us a text message, so now we've got multiple devices in place that we're pulling into this. Or often, what I find most frustrating, and to be honest with you, I've never sweat so much in having to decipher a picture of a stoplight <laughs> that they have conveniently spliced up in the squares. Has anyone been there? Do you see the little portion that they evilly spliced at the top? I gotta ask, do you click on that square? Raise your hand if you click on that square. That's a part of the stoplight. Raise your hand if you don't. Good, so we're half and half, so all of us will be confused the next time we're faced with this. (laughs) And here we are trying to determine what is truth, what is real, as extra evidence that we're not a robot. We're proving In the same way we see John is writing this book but he has other people who are attesting and verifying what has happened and that this gospel is real and this Jesus is real and he is meant to be worshipped. In the same way we see as John is putting out his testimony the effects and benefits of a testimony can have when we share it. And so for those of us today who have questioned whether this book is real, if we're honest with ourselves, we've had moments whether we've thought in our own personal minds, maybe never expressed it out loud, but is this truth? How do I decipher if this is important enough for me to live my entire life by what it says? Is this really the key to my future, to my eternity? And here is John saying don't just believe my words, believe all of us who are there. I've written these down as evidence upon evidence so that you may believe. As form of authenticating, if you're a skeptic today and you understand the grasp of this community attesting and affirming this, it causes you to pause for consideration. That if this really is real, that these people who are affirming this are true and honest, if Jesus is really who he said he was and he went to the cross on our behalf, rose from the grave as we just worshiped on Easter morning, as a skeptic, maybe I need to give some honest consideration to that. As a believer, it should give us hope. It should give us hope that the same things that Jesus did In the same ways he showed up and cared and ministered to people at that time, it should give us hope that while we are on our path, our journey, our own spiritual journey, that we don't stop believing. See what I did there? Keep on going, don't quit, but hold on to it as a source of truth for yourself. some of you, I would say, can relate to this sermon series, Jesus and the Waiting, because while you may consider yourself a believer, someone that believes in Jesus Christ, you're waiting to see the signs and works of him in your own life. You're waiting for him to show up in the same way he showed up in the books and in the scriptures for yourself. In that moment of waiting, I want to encourage you to turn to the word. Be reminded of the story of Abraham and Sarah waiting for God to fulfill the promises of a child. They had to put their faith in him, but God was faithful. In the same way, we find Noah listening to the Lord and pursuing the Lord's work and building and preparing and in the midst of waiting for a rain like he'd not seen before, He listened and followed God. And then the time came. God saved his family. He was faithful. Daniel, living a life of prayer and surrender to the Lord, putting him first, not fearing the king's judgment, found himself waiting. Even when he was spending a night in a lion's den, he was waiting for the Lord to show up. And God was faithful, and he did, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves bound together, tied up, not wanting to disown God. In the display of their faith, they held on to each other and led them into a burning furnace. But God was faithful. He protected them. He showed up. In the midst of waiting, we need to remind ourselves of the stories that are found in Scripture. That you're waiting and it's not a moment for you just to be left wandering. And wondering Is God going to be who He's always been? Is God going to show Himself in ways He has before? Waiting often leads to wonder. Wondering if God is faithful this time when He's been faithful in the past. Wondering if the testimony you've heard from other people will be a testimony you can share of yourself. And oftentimes, in the midst of wondering, God is still worthy to be worshiped. God wants to have our attention. And we find that our testimony actually grows in the midst of waiting, waiting on Jesus to show up. Stories like Lazarus' family pleading to Jesus to come heal him and save him, and Lazarus dies. Jesus doesn't show up at the time that they want. But when Jesus does show up, he's faithful. Jesus meeting the needs of 5,000 people on a hillside waiting and needing food, needing fed, wondering how he's gonna make this possible. Jesus showed up, he was faithful. Some of you need that reminder today. As I was going through that list, I was reminded in John's book, chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus utters these words, recalling all the things he had done, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. I started to think about what those greater things would look like. On Tuesday, I stopped up at Jordan's Crossings, passing out meals, and I was talking to Doug. He said, John, yesterday we passed out 600 meal boxes. That's equivalent of 8,300 meals. I thought, whoa, that's greater things. Those are the greater things. I'm going to invite our senior pastor to join me on stage. We had district assembly this past week, and through all of the ways that we've been working and moving through this pandemic, we've been able to connect in even greater ways, and our church was awarded some special recognition. pastor's going to share.
0: Yeah, Pastor John. One of the things we do here on the district, there's about 90 churches in the South Central Ohio area, and uh, many of you know... You see pastors leading churches, but there's also people like you that are laymen in our congregations, and uh, they look for a way to celebrate things that you all are doing, things that we're all doing as a church in our community, and so uh, they give what's called the Layman Layperson of the Year Award, and uh, so there's about 10,000 people that gather every Sunday for worship across our district, and they chose two people this year because last year we weren't able to meet. This particular person is someone who... Prior to the pandemic was involved in Upward, was involved in our food outreach and going to Jordan's Crossing, all sorts of things. And when the waiting happened and we said, oh no, what's gonna happen? Uh, What are we gonna do? Rather than staying home, this person said, what do you need? We said, well, we're gonna call people on the phone. I'll come call people on the phone. What do you need? Well, we've got to distribute meals to kids at schools. I'll come distribute meals to kids at schools. Um, We need some trailers to move some stuff. I've got a truck and a trailer, let's do it. And so anytime there was anything that was going on, this person just stepped up and so it's my privilege um, to present this morning to you all the 2001 or 2021 South Central Ohio Lay Person of the Year presented to Mr. Dave Shannon. Dave, would you come on up here? Congratulate Dave, thank you so much. I'll give you a hug. So Dave, you represent all the people here of the NAS. Some of you have heard of the Pareto Principle. That says that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Um, Dave's like uh, 99% of the people doing none of the work because Dave's doing it all. Some of you are going, I can't plug in anywhere because Dave's doing all the work. It's not quite that true. It's not quite that You want to say anything, Dave?
1: How much time do I have? Uh, 30
0: seconds. (laughs) 30 seconds.
1: Well, first of all, thank you, Pastor Dale. Thank you, church. I'm uh, honored. I'm humbled. I'm grateful for this award. But I do think this award speaks to how great this church is. Um, Our leadership and Pastor John Keating's hard work provides many, many outreach activities. We're blessed to be able to do all those. And this year, and and, um, Pastor Pastor Dale mentioned many of those, but also this year Um, Upward is very near to my heart. And for our leadership to have the courage to do Upward this year during a pandemic, 700 kids had the time of their life because of that decision. So thank you very much, church. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor.
0: Stay here. Let me pray for you, Dave. Let me pray for Pastor John and our ministries. Father, we thank you so much that this church is filled with people like Dave. God, we thank you for people who are willing to step up and serve whenever you call them, that when stuff happens, where a lot of people would just sit back and, and wait, that during that waiting, they understand there's still things to do. Uh, Lord, there are still people who need to come to know you. So, God, I pray that you would help the tribe of people like Dave to increase, the people who are willing to see the need and step in and act, Lord, that they would step up. Thank you for Pastor John. Thank you for the other ministries here at the church, things that go on inside these walls and outside these walls, that you would continue to help us be your hands and feet so that people will be able to take their next steps towards you together. All these things we ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks.
1: Let's thank both of those men for their leadership. Dave and our pastor. You know, I'm a part of a group online that's a group of Nazarene pastors from around the world, and I put a question out to them this week. I said, what are some evidence of God working and moving in your community through the life of your church? One of the first responses I got was from a friend of mine from Texas who's now serving at his church in Georgia. He said, through this last year, where everybody has had to stay distant, as a youth pastor, our group has gone from 12 to 40. and I get to baptize my first student this week. Little evidence of God working and meeting the need through food, through people. And then I heard of a story in Venezuela I wanna share it with you as a picture of this family comes up on the screen. It reads this, it says, Franquilla and her husband, Eduar, live with their two children in Venezuela. Due to the country's coronavirus quarantine, they were left without income. And their situation has become so dire that the whole family was dependent on Franquilla's parents for food. Eduar is an athletic trainer without work and Franquilla stays home with her Two kids, Ruth and Eli, a couple are members of the El Cambio Church of the Nazarene. And during the days when they had nothing to eat, Franquilla kept feeding her own spiritual being and was participating in the National Online Congress of Women, the Church of the Nazarene. While attending, she remembered one of the speakers said, at this moment, the blessing is going to come to your house. She said, at that same moment, a person came to them and said, Franquilla, I'd like to deliver a large amount of food. This person who arrived only told the family, I woke up this morning and felt it on my heart to bring this to you. In addition to the provision of food, the family also received approximately 50 kilos of clothes, shoes, and even gifts for Eli's birthday, as you see on the screen." Without a doubt, the provisions were a miracle of God. And although the person who brought them food and clothing did not know the difficult economic situation that they were going through, God had heard their prayers and he knew. It was a reminder to me of the great vastness of God's reach. He's reaching out through our community. He's reaching out to youth across our country even cares and concerns to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters in Venezuela. It was a moment of testimony to say that what is said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever can be said over and over and over again. The same Jesus we read about in these scriptures is the same Jesus working and moving today. The same Jesus that we are worshiping today together is the same Jesus who will be worshiped for all eternity in heaven someday. And what a power testimony can have. Do you remember what it was like at church in the old days where we would have testimony time? They would come down from the stage, they'd grab the microphone They'd walk amongst the people. And they would say, does anybody have any good news to share of what God is doing in your life? Does anybody have anything that they can say of how God has been faithful and made himself known to you? And we'd see hands raised, wouldn't we? We'd see hands raised and the importance of gathering together as a church was to hear the testimonies of God testimonies of his goodness looking across this room right now I see the same testimonies that could be shared I look over here and I see the testimonies of children who have lost their way stepped away from their faith and their upbringing but God was faithful wasn't he and because of him he got their attention they turned their hearts back to him and now they're living for the Lord praise God That testimony lives here, and hearing that testimony may help somebody over here. The testimony of the illness, the sickness, the eating disorder that you've wrestled and struggled with, there's somebody over here that can attest and say, God has shown up and been faithful and helped me through that. I live a healthier, better life now because of it, and he is the one that gets the glory. Is there anybody that can attest and say, "My marriage was on the rocks? My life was in shambles, and I didn't know that there was hope for my spouse and I. But we found ourselves coming before the Lord, and He's restored our marriage. There's people in this room I know have dealt with depression and anxiety. Internal things that they don't feel they've been able to comfortably say before to others. And day by day, sometimes hour by hour, they're a living testament of God helping them through that. I don't know who you need God to be. Some of you, I think, are waiting on your testimony to be written. Some of you today, I think, are waiting for God to show up in the same ways we've talked about, the same ways he's testified before. Some of you today, I think, are trying to find Jesus in the midst of your waiting. You see, this passage ends in a pretty remarkable way. John says that I, Jesus did even more and more wondrous things that even if all were recorded and written down, the whole world couldn't contain them in books. And you know that got me thinking, friends. The books of Jesus writing and scripting things out that fill the entire earth are found in the evidence of the eight billion people who live on this planet. It's Jesus writing the story of your life, the works that he's done in my life, the testimony that I have to share and help encourage others that I may not be where I'm supposed to be yet, but with Jesus, I can get there a little further. I can take my next step. I can go forward. I want to encourage you to do the same. If there's anybody in here who can testify to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Stand. And if you are in the midst of waiting for him to show up in a new and a real way, I wanna tell you, you may not feel like you can stand. You may not feel like you're ready to make a claim of his goodness yet, but in the midst of that, listen to the words of Jesus helping others. He'll help you. The same God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the present and in the future. We'd always end those worship Times together, sharing testimonies, reminding ourselves of the nature of God, the character of Him being faithful, and how great His faithfulness is. I don't know what you need Jesus to be for you today or how you need Him to show up in your life, but I want to tell you something. You're watching online, He can reach where you are, He is faithful. Don't give up. Don't quit wondering, is he going to be there? Is he going to be God? Is he capable? He is. He's ever-present and never-changing. Share your testimony with people today. Give God the glory. And see how it doesn't help them get through whatever they're waiting on God to do. And in the midst of it, let's worship together and give him praise for his faithfulness in our past with the anticipation for his faithfulness in our future.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at the NAS.church.